1: just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketship fm twenty four. That's pork porkbun p o r k b u n dot com forward slash rocketship fm twenty four. You'll save a dollar on your next domain.
0: Michael, are you ready to get this episode of Rocketship.fm up and launched?
1: Oh, I definitely am. I'll admit, I'm definitely feeling a little winded. There's been a ton going on, so I could use that spark of energy. And recording always gives me that, so it's good timing. I hear that.
0: I hear that. These days, I feel like everybody I know is, like, overworked and could use that spark of energy, as you say. It sounds like maybe some adaptogen-packed wellness <laughs> tonics could give that little jolt you need.
1: That is not what I was thinking,
0: but... um. <laughs> I'm intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> I'll explain that one in a minute. It actually does have something to do with today's episode, sort of. So, uh, anyway, first, let's just roll the intro. We could cut right to it. I think that's a good idea. All right, here we go.
1: Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. So adaptogen-packed wellness tonics. Um, I don't know. Where are you going with this one? (laughs) Not
0: yet, Michael. First, let's talk about what's going to happen today in this episode. All right. Okay. All right. We've got two more confessions, uh, as always. And the second confession we're going to hear about, it's kind of a mix of ingenuity and sort of like going undercover, Mm. I guess. Kind of hard to explain, but it's definitely a doozy of a confession. All right. And for our first confession. Well, let's get into that one right now, and I'll let you hear it directly from the voice actor that we hired to portray it. This first confession is called, How Do I Know What's Too Much?
2: I work as a product innovation manager for a large DTC brand. The products we sell are actually physical products, but technology has a lot to do with the distribution, as most of our customers are purchasing through a subscription. Anyway, my role is, well, it's hard to explain not even my parents can tell their friends what I actually do. But the best way I explain it to most people is that I run experiments for our company that sometimes lead to new products and features being launched. And I do enjoy my role. I feel like I'm able to make an impact on the company and it's fun to see some of the new products come to life. But my confession is that I really feel like I don't know if I'm as visionary as I thought I was. For example, We launched our very first product line two years ago and promoted that single product line for the first full year of the business. I lobbied hard for us to launch two additional product lines in our second year. Our CEO, however, said that we should launch 10 additional product lines, 10. I remember thinking to myself at the time that it was just crazy. I made the case for why 10 was just too many, how it would be distracting and pushed hard for us to launch two more and candidly, I thought that two was ambitious. I remember the CEO sitting back and smiling at me, thanking me for putting so much thought into my recommendation. But no, we would be launching 10. And then we did, successfully. My CEO has had a lot of grace to not hold it over my head that I was wrong, but I can't help but feel a little silly for suggesting that we shouldn't push ourselves so hard, especially when we ended up succeeding by doing so so how do you know exactly how far to push yourself i'm still trying to figure that one out all right
1: this is a good one and hey a lot of us can relate to so many of us want to put our foot on the gas but to some that means focusing on what we're doing well and going hard and to others it means diversifying and launching several other product lines that's true and to help us
0: dissect all of that well this is where the adaptogen packed wellness tonics come in all right i've been waiting so tell us. Well, our guest today, she actually has a line of adaptogen-packed wellness uh-huh. tonics. Our guest is Lopa Vandermersch, and she's the CEO of Rasa. And Rasa is a it's a coffee alternative brand. I mean, it's, it's certified organic, it's gluten-free, sugar-free, caffeine-free. Uh, basically, it's all the stuff that's actually not bad for you.
1: Ah, well, that's interesting. And yes, I mean, I'm down to try something like that sometime. Um, honestly, I could probably use some right now. <laughs> well, we
0: won't be getting a dose of Rasa but we will be gaining a dose of Lopa and she's the high energy founder and CEO of Rasa. So, um, you yeah, know, she's a triple bottom line entrepreneur with Rasa being a D 2 C brand. She might even be able to relate to that first confession too.
1: I'm sure she can. So yeah, let's bring Lupa in and let's get her take on this.
3: I think that the, the, two core pieces there, um, I noticed the confession was, I don't know if I'm the visionary that I thought I was, um and the piece that i kind of want to dig in on there and you know this goes to maybe something that might feel a bit vulnerable as you're considering it but is like maybe you're not and if so is that a problem and is that a problem for your role and really what you need is a visionary ceo and you need to align by that ceo and if you're not the ceo of your company like the visionary is you know it's it's great to have vision it's great to be able to do that but that might not be what you're there for. It might not be where you're at in your life right now. You might have a vision at some point, you, you know get excited about launching something, experimenting, and then you're like, oh, actually, I might want to do this myself, or I might want to create my own thing. That's when visionariness is absolutely critical. In this role, it might not be your unique ability. It might not be the absolute best thing that you can bring to the table. And you may still be visionary too, in different ways as well. You know, just because you said two and you know, he said 10, also doesn't mean that you're not visionary, but I want to just hold in in context the possibility that maybe you're not, and maybe that's totally okay. Maybe you're, you know, clearly you're visionary in other ways. You know, CEO is visionary in the sense of we're going to do 10 instead of two. God bless all of you for making that happen. And I have certainly been the one we launched eight, four four to six products, depending on how you count it last year. My team was like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Um, And we did it. And it was great. Um, but you you clearly have vision in other regards as well. And so I think what's what's important, I just, I sensed like a lack of confidence there and clearly you guys did the thing. And so I feel like you, sh- you can have confidence, even though you were wrong in that initial assessment of, of what you were able to do, um, you can have confidence in the fact that you did it, you stretched your capacity and you were able to execute on something remarkable. In terms of how far and where to push yourself, um, you know, I mean, there's... You're asking a a founder entrepreneur, like, I'm truly not the best person to answer that. Um, You know, like pre-hospital trip, probably a good idea, but um, it's, I think that's going to be an ongoing dialogue with yourself, with your body, with your team. And I think one of the things that I, I see in that situation is that you probably didn't have full visibility into how much that was going to require, the resources that was going to require. And so what that might expose is a little bit of a communication issue um, and just like a coming to consensus issue, you know, and maybe I don't know exactly where in in the leadership you are or where in management you are. You know, maybe you're outside of some conversations that would have helped you to see how executing on 10 would be possible but i that's sort of where i go is like okay clearly the ceo thought and knew it was possible. And it was, um, and I don't think it's, you know, necessarily that they're that great of a person to not hold that over your head. I think that's just decency. So, um, yeah, I would, I would maybe come, you know, look at that situation and say like, what, what information was I missing that would have given me the confidence to be able to do that? And how can we set up the structure and how can I advocate for the type of communication that would allow me to have that?
0: Yeah. And that's something by the way, that could only be learned in practice. So if this person's going through this is a brand new company you're going through this for the first time don't be too hard on yourself that you didn't necessarily you know nail that one that you you learned you you can do a little bit more so that next time i'd imagine you'd have a a little bit more more confidence in that and um and it's not to say even if you're not that visionary now it's not to say you couldn't be that for the future if you're launching a company a few years down the road um i yeah i don't think that that should necessarily be a Something that you're going to harp on that whole time. I mean, would you would you agree that it's this person? They could very well go on and launch a company in a few years, and maybe they are that visionary at that point. Who knows?
3: I don't think I was a visionary until I had a vision. Sure. I love that. The one additional like tool resource that I might throw out there just yeah. to, to check out. Um, we run our. On EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system, um, based on the book Traction by Gina Wickman. And um, that's been a really good one for getting everybody aligned on the same page. And we tend to do, instead of top down um, decision making, we do a little bit, we strive more towards consensus, which does take longer. Um, but one of the things that it seemed like is there wasn't consensus between um, this big project, which in EOS terms they would call a rock, a company rock um and so it's a system that has served us very well and so if you guys don't already have something like that that you're using to run the business it could be something useful to check out and say like hey you know i this should we implement this should we look into it and then see if you can maybe get a little bit more to consensus and do that pushback and be like okay why why do you think we can do 10 i don't get it i i'm overwhelmed at the thought how are we going to do that and then the ceo may lay it out and you might be like oh yeah that's that's possible
1: yeah that's interesting we are going to take a short break and we'll hear from our sponsors when Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep he had two choices construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow AT&T business eventually talked him into the pillow thing and backed by a reliable network the only network with built-in security controls Sleep with Rain was a hit Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com.
0: Okay, we've got that first confession down, one more to go. And you said it's a
1: doozy of a confession, right?
0: I'd say so, but I think it's probably best for you to hear it for yourself. All right, let's roll it. All right, the confession that we're calling, I stuff the complaint box.
4: I feel awful for even making this confession, but I'm just gonna put this out there. I sometimes secretly send in complaints to our corporate customer service email as a customer of ours. I swear that it's for a good reason. I think, anyway. I work as a senior product manager for a large e-commerce company and I've been here for nearly 10 years. And we used to take customer service seriously. We would listen to our customers, take care of them, and actually try to make changes so that the issue wouldn't happen again. But at some point, we just sort of stopped. We still do take care of our customers. If a customer complains, the company has a quick refund policy. We quickly offer a refund to make things right. And usually the customer accepts that and moves on. But the thing is, the customer complained for a reason. And that's where we fall flat. We don't really do anything to correct it. Unless a complaint comes in that's so flagrant and so outlandish. Those kinds of complaints make their way to our CEO. They actually talk about some of those complaints in the management meetings. So I started sending in complaints that were way over the top, but they were about real issues that I felt we had to fix. I've tried to bring these issues up in the past and pointed to the normal, tame complaints that would come in, but that never really went anywhere. So now I do it this way. So, yeah, it's pretty weird, I know. But I feel like I'm doing it for the good of the company.
1: Wow, that is, uh...
4: <laughs> it, it's
1: a doozy, right? Yeah, 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 you, you keep using that word, but okay, sure, I'll give it to you. It was definitely that. <laughs> well, let's loop Lopa
3: in. I, I gotta say, I love this person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just need like this like little troll, like for the good of the company, it's like a, it's like a beneficial troll, (laughs) um, um, writing these and, and maybe that's fun. Like writing these super outlandish, I I imagine there's a lot of swear words in there and just "Eh, cart button, button not working, whatever it is. Um, (laughs) well, I, I, I praise the, uh, the resourcefulness (laughs) And yeah. the desire to get something moving, you know, like you're you're seeing a problem and figuring like, okay, here's something that I have seen actually work. And now this might actually, cool. So one of the things that when, when customer service issues don't get taken care of, it's because they don't see a financial reason for it. And one of the things that maybe you could look at doing, um, I don't know how cross-functional your team is, but i um, actually talking to the customer service team about how much time they spend on issues like that. Like, hopefully they're tagging issues and keeping track of time spent and stuff like that. And then they and then you could actually make a, a financial case and be like, hey, so this issue I noticed, which, you know, relates to my department because we would fix it, I assume, um, is taking up. Ten hours a week of customer service time, and that means you know this much. And if I spend two hours fixing it, or how you know, I'm obviously using broad numbers here, but then you can start to make the financial case for this actually being better for the health of the company. The other thing is, I see some culture issues. Um, you know, the fact that it's not uh, something that you feel like you can talk about; it's something that you don't feel like gets heard. Um, that to me is like, there's, there's something unhealthy in the culture and you need to be able healthy companies need to be able to vent things like this. Otherwise it becomes toxic. It festers and everybody suffers. Um, some great tools and resources for that. Um, Brene Brown's work is really amazing. Um, her dare to lead book, uh, gives a lot of tools on how to rumble. She uses the term rumble. Like when you get into one of those like kind of tricky conversations where you're like, Hey, I'm noticing that, you know, I bring up these issues and they don't get heard. And then I mean, I would tell them if, if, if somebody on my team came to me and said, I've been sending in (laughs) emails, I mean, it, I know it would take some work to get to the point of feeling like you can say that. And maybe you don't want to, I'm I'm not pressuring you, you know, do, do what feels right. But I, I feel like that would be a really big indicator to me that something needs to shift in the company culture. And we need to have more space for airing concerns, more ways to move forward, miscellaneous, you know, problem solving and, and troubleshooting and stuff like that. Um And uh, another um, system organization that we've been very served by as well is, uh called conscious leadership. And there's a lot of tools for like how to clear things, you know, how to bring up difficult issues, you know, what, what happens in toxicity and where we all go. Like we all, we all do stuff like that. We all have our moments. Um, we're, we're humans. And that's why, you know, outside resources like that can be really helpful.
0: I love it. It's like the as funny as the confession is, it it's happening because of dysfunction that's that exists. And so it's like, how do you solve for that? Which you've already pointed out, I think a lot of ways that the person making this confession can actually help the organization. I guess in this sense, and you talked a little bit about, you know, they need to know that it is impacting the bottom line. Like, is there any this is kind of like a selling up issue. I feel like, like, is there another advice you'd have on how to really like sell this up that like, Hey, we do need to, I, short of saying I'm the one that wrote these confessions, but like trying to make this case that we should, we ought to be doing something about this.
3: Yeah. I mean, it depends on how much of a project you want to take on, but if you're, if you're taking the time to write these, um, these customer service emails, then maybe you can start putting some of that time into actually tracking it, tracking the impact on the company. You know, you could even go so far as to say like doing NPS surveys of the customers and seeing how this affects you know the actual brand affinity. Um, but you know, like in in my position, if somebody on my team came to me with a you know a thorough report, here are what I see is the top ten issues, say. Um, and here's what I think we should solve in the first three months because you know these are these are major issues that are really actually causing um, causing customer service to have, you know, on un- just inefficient use of time, et cetera. Um, I would put together a report. I would, you know, manage up, take some leadership. Like you see something that's really valuable for the company. Um, like you're actually a canary in the coal mine, like, and you know, you're bringing it out in a really awesome, funny way. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I think that you can actually be of real service to the company and really take some leadership on, on how to um, how to do that, and so you know, I would I would build a case and and put some time into it. You know, if somebody comes to me with something that they really put time into, I am going to pay attention to that because they cared enough to put the time into it. Um, but if it's like a half-ass, like here's an email, blah blah blah, and we're like, ah, eh, it's probably not that big of a deal. Um, so put the time into it that's commensurate with how much of an issue you think it is, and then you know, just ask your manager or ask you know whoever is the appropriate person in the company, maybe the CEO. Um, if you can get some of their time to talk about something that feels really important.
1: The only thing I would worry about in this situation is that there could be a lot of bias in that this is one person's viewpoint and and they are overemphasizing it through this technique that without doing the research, as, as you've mentioned, they they may be wrong on some of these and maybe actually causing the company to do work that is unnecessary because they've made up the complaint and it is biased to their one viewpoint if they're not actually going out and getting a a wide array of data to to back it and that's where doing the work matters and that's what any CEO would want to see is that you've you've collected a, a a good swath of research and then you're bringing it together in a cohesive argument That's going to make sure that you're not biased in your opinion just because you've seen a couple of people complain, you get really mad, you write that email, and now the whole company has pivoted to fix that problem for the next week. Maybe that's not the best use of time, but they they found the hack to get it done. It's a lot of invisible power that they're wielding. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Yep. For sure. And I think that's a really important point too. And that's something that we see on our side too, you get one angry customer and we might have five people from leadership spending attention on that. And then we're like, okay, it happened once. And so, you know, I think first when you're doing that research, it's actually for yourself, you know, like think about it, you're doing this for yourself to determine is this really as much of an issue as I think it is. Um, and then you do yeah, just, to do the calculation. How much is this costing the company now? How much will it save? How much will it cost to fix? and therefore how much is it gonna save? And boom, there, it's worth it. I brought you some efficiency, or maybe you find it's not. Maybe you're like, oh, actually, it's not that big of a deal. I'm gonna go focus on some other stuff.
1: All right, we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Okay, these were some good confessions this week, wouldn't you say, Mike? Definitely. Definitely some interesting
0: ones for sure. And as always,
1: you know, we'll finish the
0: episode by giving our one big takeaway each. So um, I'll I'll get us started here. Um, I'll leave that really juicy confession we heard to you, Michael. But really that first confession, I mean, that was an interesting one too. I mean, how do you know just how far to push yourself? Um, honestly, it's a question that if you, the listener, is going through this, only you can answer. But I think it's a good reminder that we can really do challenging things. I mean, chances are we can challenge ourselves even more, push ourselves to do even something bigger than we expected of ourselves. And um, we can actually be successful in doing so too. I mean, it's not going to be easy, it never is, but um, you know, definitely will take a lot of work, but we're product people. I doubt that any of us got started doing what we're doing because we like taking the easy approach. So I think my takeaway on this is, we should challenge ourselves to take on bigger things, bigger challenges than even you think you can manage. You might just surprise yourself by what you can accomplish.
1: I like it. I like it. That's a good one. I'll second it. And I'll add another big takeaway, this time from the I stuff the complaint box confession. If you're at a company and you're finding yourself making product decisions based on the squeaky wheel, whether the squeaky wheel is coming from a customer or somewhere internally, maybe even from your executive team, stop and think about whether making decisions like this is actually driving value. Probably not, honestly. Sure, for those few customers or a few internal stakeholders making a loud case about it, it may appease them. But is that really the right thing to do for your product? It may not be. Of course, sometimes it's hard to tell these people no. So hear them out, but really dig into the why behind the requests that they're making. The person making this confession, they were motivated to stuff the complaint box because they saw the squeaky wheel gets noticed. But as smart as this person may be, what if the complaints that they stuffed the complaint box with, what if they shouldn't have been prioritized in the first place? In this case, it didn't matter. They were able to sort of hack their way into the C-suite because of this broken process. So if you're noticing that processes are broken on your end, Do what you can to try and fix those processes, not work around them. (laughs) Yeah, and
0: it's hard work, right? Like that's another thing that's like super hard to do. But again, going back to my takeaway,
1: we can do hard things, right? We can take on challenges, can't we? Absolutely. I I believe that we can. I I love this person's uh, ingenuity, but, uh, but there's definitely a better way.
0: Well, Michael, this is probably a good place to sort of end the episode. So see you back here next week.
1: Next week it is. We'll see you then.